0: thinking about uh, in an early career HR professional, um, I think it's important to really know what you're getting into, uh, to really know and understand the field. Um, there are times that you're going to be facing some really difficult situations and feel um, maybe unsure about whether or not this is the right field for you. Um, and, and that's where I, I feel that you need to really find yourself a good mentor early in your career and hold on to that mentor, because there will definitely be issues that you face, um, problems that you want to overcome, uh, directions that maybe you're not sure which way to go. And having a really good mentor uh, early on in your career is vital for that.
1: Hi all, welcome to yet another episode of Hacking HR Podcast. It's interesting that we all remember that one person in our life who would have cared enough to give their view, their wisdom, or their meaningful advice, uh, that we would have carried all along with us through our career progression, uh, and which would have perhaps made such a significant difference in the way we would be actually driving our careers at workplace. That one person could be your mentor, that one person could be your coach, that one person could even be your client or your leader, or for, 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 for any matter your, your team members. Um, interestingly, we have Jill with us today in the studio and she would be touching upon this uh, more in depth in terms of how HR professionals can navigate their career growth more meaningfully um, and for a sustainable level in the organizations. Jill has spent more than two decades in leading human resources in different industries. Hi, Jill, it's great to have you with us today. How are you?
0: I'm great, thank you for having me today, Natasha. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Awesome, so Jill, I think the first question that everybody would wanna know from you is, what are some of the key blockers that you have seen in the different stages of the careers for HR professionals uh, that they create themselves um, and, and as a result, they're not able to progress in the career path that they're looking for?
0: Sure. Uh, well, thinking about an uh, in, in early career HR professional, um, I think it's important to really know what you're getting into, uh, to really know and understand the field. Um, there are times that you're going to be facing some really difficult situations and feel um, maybe unsure about whether or not this is the right field for you. Uh, And and that's where I I feel that you need to really find yourself a good mentor early in your career and hold on to that mentor, because there will definitely be issues that you face, um, problems that you want to overcome, uh, directions that maybe you're not sure which way to go. And having a really good mentor uh, early on in your career is vital for that. Uh, When I think about mid-career professionals, um, my best advice is to to not uh, doubt yourself and to go for those opportunities like an international assignment, taking a risk and applying for a job that maybe you're not 100% qualified for. There's a very interesting statistic, uh, especially amongst women, that um, most women will not apply for a position unless they feel that they have 100% of the qualifications, where uh, men typically will apply for positions if they meet maybe 60% of them. So we hold ourselves back sometimes as mid-career professionals thinking we don't have enough experience, we're not the right fit, uh, we have that imposter syndrome that we feel that uh, someone, someone will find us out that we're really not as qualified as, as we have presented ourselves. And it's a shame because it, you do lose a lot of opportunities mid-career because of that. So don't doubt yourself and definitely go for those outside of the box assignments that uh, maybe you wouldn't consider. And uh, a later career leadership, um, my feeling sometimes is that you don't really get to know the business as, as well as you should. Uh, really know what your cl- client group does and what's going to make them successful. And when you become that strategic partner, because you really understand what the business needs, it pivots where or how you're perceived.
1: Interesting. So um, I, I what I heard is uh, the opportunities wherein they can expand their horizon to international assignments and are just limiting to the country of uh, residence for them. Um, they can they can start networking and expanding their um, touch points uh, in in the organization outside the organization to see how best they can achieve their career goals. Uh, and of course, in terms of uh, how they can pivot from different roles uh, to ensure that um, they're just not limited to one aspect of HR, but then they also get a holistic uh, view of how HR function can impact the business overall in in the strategic term uh, going forward. Uh, Which which makes me wonder, uh, we go through career disruptors uh, at some point of our time in our lives. And I think most of the time, HR professionals are more focused on helping counseling and uh, guiding other professionals and talent in their organization to see how they can overcome these career disruptors and still continue to build their career. Whereas when the HR professionals themselves have to face this kind of a situation, I think they just lose all hope and they do not know what to do next. And the first reaction is my career is over. What do I do now? Mm -hmm. So uh, from your experience, uh, uh, what are some of those uh, scenarios that you've seen around you in terms of career disruptors for HR professionals? And what is it that they can do to pivot it into a more a meaningful career opportunity in the long term?
0: So I think sometimes we, we fall into this uh, notion that we need to do things that are outside of our strength within HR in order to grow. And I don't disagree with that completely, but I do subscribe really to strength-based based development and strength-based leadership. If you come from a position of strength with something that you're really good at, you're going to naturally be more successful and you'll be motivated by your work all of the time. Um, so I think that notion of I, I can't stay in LD or I can't stay in compensation because I need to uh, pivot out of this and if I want to, to move up into more leadership roles is not necessarily something that's always true. I I look at some of my colleagues that have stayed, I I began my career in leadership uh, learning and development and it really truly was my passion um, I did follow that career path where I went into a more of a generalist role, because I, I did believe that I needed that to move up and it did serve me well I won't say that it, that's not a good way to go. Um, do I miss learning and development absolutely that is really my passion that's where I need to be or would like to be. Um, and. I see other professionals and my colleagues that have stayed with that, and they've done well as, as well, too. So I think um, you can kind of create your own disruptor that way, maybe get into a type, a part of HR that's not your strength, and then feel that you're not successful or potentially not be successful because it's not a, a position of strength. Um, we go through different... Phases in our life. I am, you know, a working mother. I've uh, worked part time. I've worked full time. I've had challenges there, and that can be difficult too. And and you're right. We we do counsel other people very well, but we don't necessarily give the same grace to ourselves. And that's where I I go back again to the networking and the mentorship, because if you have someone that you can talk that out with, if there's someone that has been through that same disruptor and navigated it well, why not give yourself that opportunity to have that expert advice? Uh, and so I, you know, I wish that I had found a mentor early in my career. I have had great relationships along the way that have helped me for sure. But having somebody early on, I think possibly could have maybe changed my career trajectory before at this
1: point. Brilliant. So, um, Jill, I I remember you had mentioned briefly about the imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. and I think the way our conversation is now navigating more towards uh, how uh, career disruptors can be a setback for HR professionals. Uh, do you see imposter syndrome also playing a crucial role uh, in in uh, in not helping uh, the HR professionals to move beyond the setback of a career disruptor in their life? So, uh, for example, a career disruptor could be Uh, If you look at the current environment, the Great Resignation, uh, your organization just decides to uh, make the role redundant. And uh, because we've been so dedicated and loyal to that organization all this while, we never realized in the wildest of our dreams that we would be standing uh, in the middle of nowhere. And that's when the reality strikes. And, you know, the first reaction is why me? And then the second reaction is why HR? And third reaction is what do I do next? So um, would love to know how, Uh, mind blockers, imposter syndrome, uh, self-doubt and a whole host of other uh, emotions uh, overpower the HR professionals in such stages and what is it that they can do to overcome it? And again, use it more as an opportunity in a positive way to move forward and find opportunities.
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, obviously any type of job loss is a very emotional experience. For anyone, you know, for the for the HR professional or anybody who has been in that position, uh, someone had told me a long time ago that if you're in human resources and um, having to lay someone off or fire someone doesn't bother you anymore, then it's time for you to move on to another career, um, because it is it's it's devastating. It's uh, very emotional, and it takes a long time to overcome that and to to understand your value. Uh, and I think that sometimes as HR professionals, we're so bogged down in the day-to-day. You know, there is so much transactional work that has to happen uh, that sometimes we we miss the value of what we're providing and then you know being able to potentially pivot that into something completely different so the the experience that you have as an hr professional can be applied in so many different ways so it doesn't have to be that you stay in this career path Forever, um, there are ways in which that you can pivot into other areas of the organization by taking that knowledge that you have um, from your HR experience and applying it in other ways. Um, many years ago, and when, when before we had programs specifically in HR that you could major in in college, uh, most people that went into HR had a psychology background because they understood people, they understood how people um, thought. Uh, what motivated, what is um, you know, desirable from a, a culture, or human condition standpoint. Um, so there's a lot of, of really good um, opportunities for you to use that knowledge elsewhere too. Um, so I, I think that overcoming that emotion and going back to to the imposter syndrome too, um, that is to me, one of the biggest career derailers, especially in, in HR, um, because you just, can just are constantly doubting that you can do something or do something different or do something more challenging. And even when you get into that position, you're still thinking, you know, that this is, um, something's going, someone's going to find you out and, 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 you know, you're going to be uh, a failure. And that can be paralyzing from a career perspective because you hold yourself back constantly. And again, knowing what I know now, I wish I would have pushed myself more to take on different assignments, to network more, to uh, potentially take on a more senior role when I thought I wasn't ready. Um, And if you can overcome that and realize that it's okay, sometimes it's okay to fail as long as you fail forward and you know how to apply that knowledge in your next assignment.
1: Wow so um, then in that case would it be fair to say that HR professionals need to build a network of sponsors within the organization and outside the organization for career progression and if that's the truth how do they go about it where do, where do they actually start um, and it'll be great if we can look at the different career transition periods right right from the early stage to mid to the uh, leadership stage uh, I, I think we, uh, our viewers and listeners would love to hear. Uh, how that multi-generational transitions can happen for the professionals if it's about sponsors. sponsors.
0: Sure, yes. Uh, so I think in the early career stage, it's all about learning as much as you can, um, getting every experience that you possibly can, working on special projects, uh, raising your hand and saying, I want to be part of that. Um, I want to be part of whatever resource group or uh, committee, things that you can raise your hand for. uh, Because that's your your time in your career to really expand your knowledge base and to find out what you really like. Uh, Find out what lights your fire, what is something that you could see yourself doing long term. Um, Mid-career, again, I think it is having that network Um, knowing when it's time to make that next step, that next career move, um, and having your organizational sponsors for that. So the more that you can prove yourself to be a strategic partner, um, that you understand the business. I had a mentor early in my career that really pushed me to understand the business of investment banking, which is not something that I had any background on, Uh, Any interest in, I would say, you know, I was an HR professional, so um, this was, I I wanted to do HR, but I was working for an investment bank and um, in taking classes and, and understanding and talking to the other professionals in the organization that that was their job, it did completely change the way I approached HR, because I really understood what was important to the business what are some of the non-negotiables? What are things that the business just cannot tolerate uh, from an HR perspective in terms of like, it's say a training program. So, you know, you can't take people out at a certain time um, without it impacting the business. So having that perspective, instead of just approaching it strictly from this is what we have to do, is something that the that the business leaders will notice. And I think then that will um, create that strategic partnership that you want at a higher level when you're in HR. So you want to be um, the strategic partner that they call into before they make decisions, before they decide that they're going down this path that you as an HR person want to be able to have input on because maybe it's not where we need to go or maybe it's something that you can weigh in on Prior to um, it getting to the point that maybe you have to scale back from it. So, having, you know, we talk a lot about the seat at the table. That's been something that we throw around for years. But it's true, that's not something that's going to be given to you at a higher level. You need to earn that. And earning that starts from early in your career when you are a perpetual student. You continue to learn what's important to your client group, and then you're able to also offer up some very strategic solutions for them.
1: Very interesting point, Jill, that you brought up in terms of having the seat at the table. I think that's one aspect which has been debated more than often with the industry leader, by the industry leaders, and within the industry as well. Um, So um, if I look at the other aspect of this, and, and how uh, a school of thought thinks is because we do not get the seat at the table uh, as HR professionals, one of the reasons is, uh, and one of the outcomes of that is we are not able to make it to the business leadership roles, which means we are not able to move out of the people function and experience how perhaps an R&D uh, unit would work and you want to lead that unit or how a sales uh, team would work um, and, and build those revenues for the organization for some time. Whereas, uh, because the business leaders always have the seat at the table, you would often see them moving into HR roles, uh, experiencing that whole HR uh, uh, function end to end, and then later in their lives, moving back into the business roles as well. So in your view and in your experience, what are some of the things that get missed out by the HR professionals? Uh, as a result of which they're not able to move to the business roles, that's one part of it. And how is it that uh, they can move, uh, they can continue to move in the business roles, but then they can still continue to leverage the HR function learnings that they have with them or throughout those years uh, in the organization?
0: That's an interesting question. And and I know you brought up before that not many HR leaders get That opportunity, right? So, yes, we will have other business leaders that cycle into HR and lead it for a while and then move into other areas. I've had experience um, with companies, not that I worked with, but I worked, uh, I did some consulting with that didn't have any HR at all. You know, they had someone who was heading up compliance and just took the HR function under their wing, too. So, I think sometimes there's this perception that HR is easy to do, um, which anyone who's worked in HR as long as I have will know that that's not true at all. I mean, there's there's certainly a lot of challenges there. I think why maybe we don't transition into more of the business roles is that at times, HR professionals are not quite as in tune to the um, metrics and the numbers and um, some of the uh, more measurable aspects of uh, people management and business management. So uh, many of us come from a background that is not really very focused on finance and numbers And we chose HR because of that Um, and and not everybody. I mean, there certainly have many friends in the compensation area and they will argue with me that they are very focused and they absolutely are. Um, But most of us in HR, I think like like to work with people and like to have that uh, aspect of the softer skills a little bit more. So um, sometimes I think it probably would be difficult for an HR person to translate uh, transition into something that is maybe completely numbers-based and very focused on results and metrics and not necessarily have um, the people part of it. Where I do think though that it wouldn't be an advantage is having somebody that can have a little bit of both in that. Uh, and I think they'd be very different leaders. Um, when you have a leader who is just focused on the bottom line and the numbers, of course, it's gonna hopefully translate, translate into some very good um, success for the organization, but maybe what it, at what cost? Um, when you have a strategic HR leader that can focus on the metrics and the finances and the numbers and the bottom line, but also have that perspective on how it affects people, because organizations are made of people, right? So you want to make sure that your human capital is um, just as well cared for as your bottom line.
1: Well, Well said, Jim. Uh, Sorry, Jill. Um, So as you're getting getting closer to the end, uh, I'd like you to uh, ask my last question. Your advice uh, to the HR leaders, so I'm coming from the thought that when you are the top, you're you're the lonely one. Uh, And I think with HR, it's nothing to do with the leadership position. Uh, It's more got to do with the function itself because There's so much of confidential information that we are holding back with us. um, And it becomes extremely difficult for us to move outside of our function and start engaging and collaborating with others at a peer level or a personal level. So your advice to our listeners and our viewers uh, in terms of how is it that HR function can continue to navigate as part of a collective group, uh, which is outside of their function and yet not be lonely as they keep progressing in their career path.
0: That's interesting, yeah. HR can certainly be a very lonely place to be. Uh, you know, I, I do counsel um, early career professionals that, no, you're not really going to have friends in, in the company because you can't, you know, it is it is difficult with the level to which that you deal with confidential information and things change and, and. Um, jobs change and, and you don't necessarily want to have a personal relationship with someone that you may end up having to have a difficult conversation about uh, with about performance or other, other issues that come up in HR. So yes, it can be very lonely. Um, I think that as an HR function, when you have a good team that you do get that camaraderie there um, and that you can build that within your own team uh, which is extremely helpful. And, and I feel like the, the best HR leaders that I've worked for and, and one uh, which I aspire to be is that strong, cohesive team where the leader truly um, is supportive at, at all levels for that team. Um, I, I feel like a good leader, and this has been said before, um, when things are, are going well, Uh, They take a step behind the team so that the team can be recognized and the team feels um, empowered and motivated. And when things are not going well, that leader takes a step in front of the team and protects their team um, from some of the fallout of things that maybe haven't gone as well as they would want to. Uh, And I think again, as an HR leader, you have to recognize that you are still a perpetual student or you still should be a perpetual student. There's nobody in the world that could have predicted COVID and what that meant to the HR community. Um, I have many uh, contacts and, and colleagues and we're still talking about this, right? That it's just been unprecedented. And um, we're still learning and there's still a lot that we will continue to learn. And hopefully we don't ever face another global pandemic, but you know, we have somewhat of a playbook for that now, it should ever happen again, but that was not the case two years ago. But there'll be other things that come up. Sure. So you can never stop learning when you're an HR professional. Um, laws change, generations change, workforces change, if, if you're not, staying on top of that and you're not continually learning. And especially as a senior leader, realize that you're not going to have all the answers ever and be humble enough to admit that and surround yourself with good people that will come up with the answers with you. You don't have to have all the answers at one time. You have to have a good team that can help you with that.
1: Amazing. I just love this conversation, Jill. Thank you so much for sharing all those insights and spending time with us on our podcast today. I'm sure our viewers and our listeners are going to love this journey that we had together in the last couple of minutes. Um, Thank you, everybody. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Hacking HR Podcast, and I will see you soon. Thank you and take care. Bye-bye. Thank you, everybody, for watching or listening to this podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. Please follow us on our social media and subscribe to our newsletter so that you can stay informed of all the things that we're putting together for you from the Hacking HR community. Thank you so much. Please continue to stay safe, stay well, stay strong, and we will see you soon.